Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And you are welcome along to the latest episode of the Huddle Breakdown. Uh, James here on hosting duties once again with my friend Alan Morrison from Celtic by Numbers. Uh, we're here to uh, conduct an autopsy on the uh, Celtic 1 Lazio 2 uh, enjoyment that we all had yesterday um, in, in the second game of the Champions League group. Uh, so how, how are you getting on, Alan? Did you enjoy that uh, footballing viewing experience yesterday? Well, as much as I could. I mean, you know, I don't know. You probably got far superior coverage uh, without paying a fortune uh, over where you are. Uh, over here, if you're not prepared to spend a fortune on BT Sport, as it was, then uh, you know you're scabbing about for streams which were incredibly unreliable. In fact, missed most of the first half actually. So, oh my! So just kind of start started watching it back uh, today. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that, that was that all added all added to the frustration level. To be fair, for for Champions League here, the uh, the main service is called Paramount Plus. And it's a streaming service. It's pretty reliable, but and I think mm. I forget what I pay, maybe eight bucks a month for. But that's everything. Like it's the whole Paramount catalog of their movies and uh, and I think I think uh, Syria is on there and maybe the Bundesliga now too. I forget, but. Um, I can't, I can't keep track. They all hop around between ESPN plus and Paramount plus and this, that, and the other thing. So, um, so yeah, we, we usually get one broadcaster that does the the game. So we don't get like the, the, the UK, uh, uh, BT or, or sky, um, broadcast teams. Unfortunately, I'd, I'd prefer those usually, but, uh, we just get some dude, you know, probably in some, uh, room somewhere in North America watching the game and doing it over over the TV. But um, so yeah, t- uh, one t- one to two uh, scoreline and um, XG battle was was actually ultimately uh, we, we won the XG battle, Alan. I mean, for for moral victories, we can we can put that up on the on the list of moral victories is we won an XG game. Yeah, listen. This is a classic game where, you know, you're watching it as a as a fan. You've you, you've played well as your team. You watch your team play well. You, you look like you've scored a winning goal. Then that gets taken away, and that's a blow. And then you can see the goal. You know, six minutes into injury time, it's an absolute hammer blow. And so, in terms of how did the game make you feel, it makes you feel really bad. Um, and you know you focus on the result and you get reminded that although you know it's it's now more than 10 years by the time we play again at home more than 10 years since we've won a champions league game at home etc 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 so the result makes you feel terrible the the way it happened makes you feel terrible and that's kind of then that frames that whole narrative of what you think about the game but for me you know in the cold light of day looking at the performance it's just what we do you know, I think it's a it's a very different narrative, really, frankly, for me. Um, and, and this is a classic case of performance versus outcome. The outcome was was shitty, and the way it happened was awful. Um, but the performance actually was was what we need to concentrate on. Because and why, you know, because the performance is more indicative of what may happen in future than the result is. 
So, you know, and it, you know, because it's it's likely to be broadly kind of repeatable. And and then what are the patterns? What what is Celtic's Champions League campaign showing us? It's only two games versus, for example, last season. Uh, what can we learn from that? So, for me, you know, there was a huge amount to be encouraged by. Uh, clearly, obviously, a huge amount to be that we can improve on. Obviously, um, but you know. What I guess what I'm saying is, uh, I'm trying not to let the manner of the the game and the outcome of the game cloud, you know, a dispassionate assessment of what actually happened. Yeah, that's easy to do, obviously, and that's partly why we have a podcast uh, is to try and <laughs> trying to focus on some of these um, more objective and and uh, and and I stress the term attempt. Uh, more objective and analytically grounded um, perspective, and I, I, I agree. I mean, I, it was um, demoralizing in so many ways because of all of the historical baggage. Um, but there, there's a lot, I think, of uh, potential positives. But I, I think it reinforces a lot of the disappointments as well, which is, um, you know, that issue of the raw material. The, the talent levels in in the team um and i think that was on glaring display once again yesterday unfortunately um and part of what we talked about when we found out about the uh the champions league group was that this was about as ideal of a group as we could get most likely um part of that was because of lazio not being that good act uh, this season probably and i think they really delivered on that <laughs> they were pretty um Blase, I guess, is the way I would characterize it. Um, they didn't really have much that made me um, be in awe, or you know, n- none of their individual players. I was like, wow, I wish we had that guy on our team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's guys on Fine Orange, like, whoa, that would be really cool if we we had someone like that. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I just Lazio to me just looks like a really mediocre side, and and um, so that's you know that doesn't d- diminish from. I agree with you, the performance that we put up, but I think they were set up in a way and play in a way and have a talent level and a profile that um, assisted us in, in having a better performance. Um, so yeah, let, let, so g- generally then what, what are, what are your thoughts as far as let's go over some of the positives then? Um, Cause I think <laughs> we understandably get a reputation of maybe being negative uh, because we do try to counterbalance things. Um, but I, I, you know, to your point, I, I think there was a lot of positives. Um, uh, so maybe talk about what you walked away from and giving you some encouragement, uh, not only for the rest of the champions league, but maybe under the full duration of Brendan Rogers tenure, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I think as I've touched on, you know, in the run of games that Celtic have had recently, you know, away at uh, Ibrox, Rotterdam, Livingston, Motherwell. It's been a, a tough, a tough run, um, and with you know depleted resources in relative terms. And actually, I would say that if you looked at all of those matches, um, you know, the, the sort of man of the match has been the manager, really, in terms of managing through the various scenarios uh, that have unfolded in those games, and. In terms of what is the positive for me, is I think just it's more a general point about how Rogers is setting up to play in these matches. We've only got two matches of data. Uh, obviously, it's a tiny sample, and also the distorting effect of playing with nine players for nearly thirty minutes, wherever it was in Rotterdam, is is enormous. <laughs> but even even having said all that, what 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 seems to have happened, um, or seems to be happening, um, and, and we'll see how it plays out against Atletico Madrid is that Rodgers has pretty much flipped around Celtic's um, kind of performances in t- from a defending and an attacking perspective on, on, on what happened last season under Postacoglu. So if you recall, last season under Postacoglu, if you benchmark Celtic against the rest of the teams in the Champions League group stages, you know, Celtic were doing pretty well in terms of attacking output. I think probably touching into the top 10 on things like total XG, quality of chances, number of shots, uh, a whole range of metrics. And as we know, chances weren't taken and points were were dropped. 
Um, but the, the problem last season was that we were giving up nearly two XG every single game. We conceded 16 goals and we were just as, as, as wide open as the as the ocean in terms of defensively. And we were, we were ranking near the bottom, actually, defensively, uh, benchmarked against all the other Champions League uh, teams. Well, not not all of them. Clearly, there was, there was one that was just phenomenally bad. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but pretty close to the bottom on, on most of the other metrics defensively. This season, well, I don't have any good news from an attacking perspective because we're ranking near the bottom now of all the attacking metrics. But again, context, two games, one played with nine players. Uh, there's a there's a penalty to factor in there as well, which distorts things in a in a two-match sample. Um, again, sort of thing from defensive perspective, but from an attacking perspective. So, you know, we're not creating a lot in terms of uh, an attacking sense, but defensively, we've suddenly turned into, you know, arguably Champions League, which is remarkable. Uh, if you take, again, if you take away the penalty, so non-penalty XG, um, it, it's kind of under under one. Um, the number of shots that we're giving up is, is decreased. The, the the thing that's decreased the most is the is the quality of the shots being taken by the opposition. Last season, it was like 0.13 for every shot. It's, it's almost halved in terms of of, of that. We're, we're give, we, we've massively reduced the number of chances we're giving away in transition, and through and through counter pressing, um, and 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 I th- and I think so. What does that all mean? It's really, I think, what Rogers has tweaked is he's actually just basically made us more more solid, uh, but also and probably put it's, these aren't massive. Changes. We're not suddenly gone to a back six. We've not suddenly collapsed back to the edge of our own box. These are subtle changes that have had big impacts. So we're actually not playing even playing any deeper than we were, which I surprised me because I thought with Scales and Phillips, especially, you know, two quite not not quick defenders, we would be a little bit deeper. But but, but actually, the midfield are playing slightly more forward. But the, it's actually the forward line that isn't as high as it was. We're not committing players. Um, like you know, Jota and Abada last season, Maeda, Kyogo, they tended to stay very, very high, um, and and this season they're not. We're actually we're actually falling back into a into a four four two or a four five one as quickly as we lose the ball. That that sort of um, recovery speed, the recovery efforts of the players to get back into shape has been tremendous and a real a real noticeable feature of the first two games. And, and basically means we're not we're not easy to play through and we're not getting caught on that. Even though, you know, yesterday, I think Liam Scales gave the ball away on the edge of his own box about three or four times. It didn't amount to anything because the, the midfield got back quickly. Yang was actually pretty good at recovering uh, and getting back into shape. Um, I'll say that for him. So, so we're a little bit more compact. We're not committing as many men forward. And, but we're not playing any deeper he's, he's maintained a good high line and, and and just that effort to focus on recovery has, has meant we're just not getting caught out in transition as much which is a lot of the, tr- the trouble if you think back to the Leipzig games and Madrid games getting caught on the break time and time and time again and when you get caught on the break two things one is you're attacking against a disorganized defense which means and, and which means there tends to be more spaces available and, and and therefore, the other factor of that is that you're forcing defenders to make decisions about which runner do they pick up, do they go to the ball, do they jockey, do they do they commit to the challenge? All of those things you force them into making uh, making making decisions. So if you can reduce those things, then you're really relying on the opposition to pick their way through, you know, banks of four, etc. Which is you know against any set of athletes who are reasonably well organised is a really tricky thing to do. So. That's why, really, from a performance perspective, that all makes sense to me because, you know, I think Postacoglu's ideal was, well, we'll just go out and 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 we'll make them defend and we'll make them uncomfortable, and if we score some goals, then you know we've played great football. Everyone wants to see it, and 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 we'll win win being true to ourselves, and that's all great. But you know, as we've seen time and time again in the Champions League at that level, the more open the game, the more XG. Good teams are allowed to rack up. The quicker they're going to get to four, five, six, seven, eight. We've seen it. You've seen it in the Champions League group stages. Some of the scores that get racked up. That's what happens to you. That's what happened in the Bernabeu. It could have happened in Leipzig, etc. So, 
the 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 closer and tighter you keep the game, it's a low-scoring sport. The more you know, the chance you've got of nicking a goal, and the less goals in the game, the more the underdog's got a chance. It's just common sense. It's a far more sensible way to play for Celtic in that competition. And so the other aspect, um, as well as that, the compactness, the recovery runs being very good. The third element is is just simply controlling the ball. And this is, this is the thing that was impressive about last night. Lazio may be 16th in Serie A, but they're still third for possession and ball control. They are, they are at the end of the day, a, a Maurizio Sarri team. Sarri controls the ball. Yes, he, he, he wants his team to be aggressive and vertical where possible, but ultimately he wants his team to control the ball. And, and you know, Celtic went toe-to-toe and, in fact, you know, had better control of the game if you look across the 90 minutes, Celtic had better control of the ball over 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 that whole game. Again, it's a de- in some ways it's a defensive move. If you if you've got the ball, the opposition can't score. So we're not being as direct. We're not being as as many sort of you know uh, hail marys through the middle as perhaps we were under Postacoglu. We're keeping the ball, therefore we're not conceding territory because of that. We're not conceding uh, chances because of that. I thought we played out from the back reasonably well. I mentioned scales. I mean, it's just got to price that in. It's you know that's where we are in terms of personnel at the moment. But in general, I thought we we played pretty well out from the back. So, so positives for me are we're playing the style of football that a team like Celtic needs to play to have a fighting chance of getting a point, nicking a one nil in this type of competition. And to lose the way we did was gutting. Everybody will focus on that. It was completely undeserved as regards the flow of the game. And if we keep playing like that, we will we will nick games, we will nick goals, we will nick uh, results uh, over time because we've got a good level of control and we've got a good solid defensive foundation. I largely agree. I mean, it, to me, that is the overwhelming positive is um, the potential that we have a formula that makes sense relative to competing in Europe at this level. Um, and ha- having that proof of concept kind of proved out uh, with this personnel, I think, is really positive. Um, if there was a kind of strategic commitment to having, you know, this level of manager and this style of play. And that that became like, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. You know, this this is Celtic. And for the next five, 10 seasons, this is how we're going about this. And even when, and if Rogers leaves, like this is how we're doing it. Um, Because it, you know, part, part of the um, challenge of, of, making progress is identifying where the deficiencies are, where are the problems, and then addressing them. And I think that's the good news is I think it's pretty clear now what the problems are. <laughs> and um, they're not on the touchline. And, um, you know, the, 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 the formula of setting up and how we're going to go about doing this, you know, seems to be pretty, uh, pretty clear, pretty smart. And effective uh now it's just getting better players <laughs> i mean it really is i mean and that's not to make light of how hard that can be um but we've talked about this endlessly and i i've mentioned this in the past that this you know rogers got a i argued for a long time now a very unfair characterization of his first tenure in europe um because of some of the lopsided score lines that were on you know chance uh, concession that was well below what our um, side last season did. And you just, you know, you run into these hornets nests of Neymar and Messi and Cavani and Mbappe type players that, you know, they score on four or four chances <laughs> in a game. Um, whereas, you know, and, and that's yesterday. I mean, if, if you break down these games and when you get to these nip and tuck type uh, uh, matches against teams of, and again, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not uh, that impressed with Lazio, but they're still of a level. They had two decent chances in the game and scored on both of them. Uh, and when I say chance, I mean actual shots, something that got to a shot. They squandered some other ones, like some of those other 
you know, like what, what one of the turnover central that they've sprayed wide. It was almost a, not exactly because positionally we were a little different, but it was very analogous to the one that they scored on late at the end. Um, spread it wide. I think it was Anderson and he just completely flubbed it. <laughs> I mean, just didn't even get a shot off and, you know, screwed it up. So again, that that's the difference where if we're playing fine or probably in the coming games against Atletico, that they're not going to be that bad on those kind of transitions, but um, that, you know, and, and really we had, I, I would agree two good chances. If you, if you just look at XG, one was the one that Kyogo scored on. Um, which, you know, probably wasn't a great finish. Went right between the keeper's legs. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and the data uh, reflect that, meaning that, um, you know, the, the, the their keeper uh, got dinged for that one. Um, and what would have been just a genius finish with Kyogo's kind of flailing outside of his right foot, I think it was even, with yeah, that, yeah. That, that great pass from McGregor that, um, you know, it would have been tough. I mean, that, their keeper would move to where he needed to be and, I mean, it would have had to have been a world-class finish to to get it past him from those circumstances. But that was pretty much it for both teams. Mm. I mean, it, there, there just wasn't a whole lot in it. And, um, you know, this is where we came come back to the discussions that we had uh, when, when Rodgers was rumored and then announced as the manager. It was like, okay, well, let's – Let's get the keeper position <laughs> nailed down because these fine margins, you need the keeper to make those kind of saves on those relatively small number of, of uh, situations. And you know, that, that hasn't happened. Um, and we just, we don't have that kind of um, creative impulse to, to maybe go from two of those chances a game to four <laughs> um, or, you know, just on those fine margins of tipping it a little bit. Um, so yeah, that it, 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 I think they're, you know, identifying where the actual issues are, I think is a, a huge positive. Doesn't mean they're going to get addressed. Um, but hopefully there's enough body of work now, um, in existence that as we go forward to January and next summer that, um, you know, there's enough focus put on how, how do we go about it, actually addressing some of these issues. So, um, on, on the personnel on the recruitment side. So let, let's get into some of the not so positive aspects then. Um, Cause there were certainly some of those as well. Um, so what, if you, if you lined up on the pros and cons and, and, in, in the, in the T chart, what, what would fall in your cons column? <laughs> well, again, you know, you, you defend well as a team, you have a good shape, you work hard to, to shuttle back when you lose the ball and you do all that consistently, you control the ball. And yet you still concede two goals. And this may be a bit harsh, but I, I'm 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 calling that Hart should save that that court that, that header from the corner. Again, a younger, more agile goalkeeper gets there quicker and keeps that ball out. It barely crossed the line. Um and, and that and and if we again let's look at it, two games, right? The the goal in forty six minutes in Rotterdam. That's that's down to heart. That's a younger goalkeeper gets across, two hands on it. It's from thirty five yards out. He saves that, and and and, the, and then the equaliser sets it going at half time, one up. You know that forces their hand. They have to probably make changes, etc. Changes the game dynamic completely. Um, so, you know, we've some sick of talking about this. Again, and again, people need to realise that there's a huge difference between what is acceptable and, and and workable with, and and you can price in in Scotland versus this level. And and when we talk about, I think we're both on the same page. When we talk about what a Celtic need, where do they need to improve? We're talking about it, looking at the benchmark of what do we need to do in Europe. Forget about the Scottish Premier League. And it, and it, and the goalkeeping position, you know, Johar, many many attributes, even now still. But that's two games that Celtic have had control of and then lost control uh, because of, 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 of two shots that I think both of them should be saved. That's the difference at Champions League level. You can, and you can't absorb that at that level. You can absorb it in Scotland. You can't absorb it at this level. Um, so, you know, you know, I got, I, I, that's why I posited at the beginning, you know, last in the last show on Tuesday and, and in Twitter, you know, People think Bain Bain should play, and again, 
people some people scoff at that because they think Joe Hart, England goalkeeper, ex, ex dozens of caps, Man City, Champions, you know, League Premier League winner, blah 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 blah. But I'm talking about the here and now. We're talking about a 36 year old goalkeeper versus one who's 30, and I know it's Scott Bain, and I know he threw one into the net against Hibs. And I know he made a howler um, in, 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 when he came on as a sub against Livingston and dropped the ball in front of the goal. But in terms of agility, in terms of speed across the box, speed in the area, again, I'll accept that risk of that versus just getting across the goal quicker, just being more agile, just being faster on his feet. I don't really care whether it was Segrist or, or Bain, um, frankly. I just don't think we can carry the risk. Of, of a declining goalkeeper like Hart in, in, in Champions League level, and I, 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 you know, and I'm not being a smart arse, but I think two goals in two games that we're controlling uh, is evidence of that. So that that's the biggest, you know, negative for me. And then the other well, is just you know, can I can, can I mention something just yeah. real quick? I'll throw in two cents yeah. on the Hart topic because I I think even on the last goal, um the nature of his immobility i'm not saying it should have been saved it was it was it would have been a a difficult save it was um, a superb header absolutely superb it, it was it was but the so that we're talking about margins here right so had it been slightly less of a brilliant header um the fact that he has to scramble to get across which again that he made the right play like it's he did the best he could in that circumstance it was a good cross but the fact that he is who he is at this stage and takes the time that he does to get across to cover that shot, he's not in the same positional stability in movement to be able to lunge back the other direction. So it went from something that maybe, you know, a better, more mobile keeper lunges and doesn't quite get to because it was a great shot. And if it had been a slightly less great shot, he gets saved versus him just standing there like a potted plant and not even moving because he had to rush so much <laughs> to get over to try and cover the back post. Um, so I, I think that, again, I'm not blaming him for that goal. It's more so I think it also does highlight this issue relative to fine margins that, you know, even if Pedro doesn't have a great header, we probably he probably scored it. He just had to kind of get that on goal and not have it directly at where Hart ended up. And it's probably going in. Yeah. Based off of how much he, yeah. how frantic Hart was trying to get back, so just wanted to yeah. throw that. Uh, in. I mean, it, no, that's fair, and, and and it's such a dainty header actually that even a fingernail on it might have kept it out because it was such a right. soft, beautiful, beautifully cushioned header. It was perfect, really, but it didn't, it wouldn't have needed a lot to keep it out either. So yeah. there's that, and then you know we've talked about it again. It's just we're so 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 lacking in 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 wide area penetration in terms of. Well, that gives us now. I know it's you know Maeda opened up the game. He, he he did what we don't see very often and often enough, which is he took the ball and he cut inside aggressively, played the ball into O'Reilly. O'Reilly fed in. Brilliant goal! A, it was a, a brilliant goal. Pass. It was a brilliant move. I, as you say, yeah. hypercritical. The goalkeeper to me, I don't know what he's doing because the keeper sits <laughs> straight at him. So, but anyway, it's a brilliant move, uh, and we deserve a bit of luck maybe <laughs> to, to that that went through his legs. Um, but outside of that, you know, where was the threat from wide? I mean, you know, Yang had a couple of lovely touches, a couple of nice moments. He actually, his tracking back, as I say, I thought was really good. Um, but in terms of, you know, he would get the balls on occasions, he would shuffle shimmy and they just simply pass it out of play or pass it straight to their player. There was no quality there in that final third. That's that's a huge issue for us this season because at the moment with, with Hitati, you know, is it poor form or is it just... Hitati trying to play as a more advanced midfielder. If you if you take the two wingers in our num our, our, our nominal number ten, we're getting virtually nothing from them in terms of creativity and goal threat. And and, and if we didn't have O'Reilly and Kyogo at the moment, where where would we score? I don't I don't know where it'd come from. In all honesty, so that that to me is the other. You know, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In a game like, like last night, it almost didn't matter in the sense that, like you say, there was nothing in it. Neither team created much. If Celtic had won that game 1-0, I think that would have been a fair and just outcome. And, and we wouldn't have cared that we hadn't created that many uh, sort of chances. And that, that's the nature of Champions League football. You actually need people that are going to do all the all the mucky stuff, all the dirty stuff consistently well. Um, but you have to take your chance when they, when it comes type of thing. Um, but, and it wasn't the case last night that we created loads of chances, didn't take them, and then cursed at the end. It was... It was a game that should have been managed out, really. But uh, so yeah, they're, they're the two the two main uh, negatives, I suppose, for me in that sense. Yeah, and this, this I, I um, a pet peeve of mine has become, and I'm probably over focusing on it because it's a pet peeve. Is I, I just wish we'd recruit somebody that's fast. <laughs> like, can we sign? You know what I mean? I mean, Yang's got a little bit of pace, um, but. I mean, how do we keep signing wingers that are slow? I mean, I, I just don't. I mean, Palma is not going to cut it <laughs> at that level with pace. I mean, it's just he he gets space, and then I mean, the opposition just close him down immediately because he can't progress fast enough. Um, so he's left at that level. You're going to be, you know, and he's a skilled player. Like he seems like I, I think he's kind of a Jota light kind of player. You know what I mean? Like he's got some of the elements of on the ball skill. I mean, I don't think he's anywhere near as good as Jota in that sense, but where he does have the strengths are tilted in that direction. Um, just similarly, the Jota without the pace and you put those two things together. I mean, he, he's going to have to be in like he was with the goal. I mean, the ball kind of flopped to him and he did a great job finishing it because he's a skilled footballer on the ball. But is he going to be the person that's going to create space? Is he going to create things for teammates? And I'm at particularly at the European level or even above, I'm, I'm concerned about domestically against teams that have athletic fullbacks, even um, that, you know, he's he's going to be in that kind of Haxabanovich category, which is, you know, he might get the ball a lot and then just have to recycle it back because he can't beat anybody. Um or create that space or get to the byline and whip across. in. I mean, it's just, so yeah. And, and Yang's kind of so deficient <laughs> in, in his whirling dervish style um, on the ball that yeah, his decision-making and maybe his technical ability um, once he does beat somebody, it's just, um, it's a bit of a mess to be honest with you. I mean, it really is. I mean, relative to Hatate up there and, his um, risk reward issues. It's, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's like, I just don't know where the creativity is. And that's maybe it's Tilio coming. We can keep hoping <laughs> that, that he's going to be the, the great right. savior. 
Um, yeah, but, listen, listen. We we always fall back on the work the players that aren't here. I mean, Tilly was a young kid, come from the Australian yeah. league. We got to be realistic about what. Oh, great! I yeah, I'm be. not. I... So, so, yeah, so, so we come, we come, we come back, we come back to what what are the other alternatives? And actually, I think we've got three decent, three pretty good. Well, three players sitting on the bench who are central midfielders who are better than the wingers that we have. That's what I'm trying to say. So that says says to me, we we need to probably change the shape a little bit. I'm absolutely settled on that now. In the short, you know, in the short term, until Abada's back, until Yang, Palmer, Tilio are settled, integrated, happy, confident, built up their fitness, maybe strengthened up a little bit, got a bit stronger, so they can mitigate any pace issues with with at least being difficult to get off the ball, etc. All that that's going to take time. Of course, it does. It's natural. The young, the young players. So until that time, you know, to me, you know, mitigate it by. Trying to get you at least your strongest eleven players out. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, um, especially in Europe. Um, yeah, I, I think a, a top uh, a, a striker tandem of, of Maeda and Kyogo would be interesting. And and yeah. uh, I've I seen enough pace. I've seen, I've seen enough pace to stretch any defense, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. I think you've we've seen that already in the first two games that. You know, um, they haven't always come off, but there's been balls over the top and those balls in the channel that has really put um, opposition backlines under stress. And it, and it creates stress for their keepers, too. Do they come to the ball? Do they not come from the ball? You know, it. it um, yeah, so I, get, I think it does make a lot of sense relative to the formula that we're looks like we've settled on as far as more of a, I don't know, you tell me, more more like a middle block rather than a high block, you know, with that that compression of the back, the top, the front line. Because um, that's, I mean, again, if you if you have it's, Maeda... It's, it's, obviously, it's small, sorry, James, it's, it's, it isn't, see, it's not revolutionist. It's small tweaks that Rogers has done that yep. have a big impact. Uh, and it's it's more about priority, it's priority, right? So previously, last season, it might have been, okay, you lose the ball in the final third. I want you to press. Now it might be the priority is I want you to fall back into shape. Probably yep. not so much high up the pitch. I don't mean that, but certainly in mid, certainly anywhere in the middle of the field. You lose the ball. I want you in shape now, and I want us to be compact and I want us to be solid. And it's just it's just it's a small thing, and it's hard work actually. To, to but but it's but it's, it's it makes a big difference. Well, if if you, um, I mean, I just again, uh, I I know it's in the data too, but if you just um observationally i mean uh last season we had a lot of maeda chasing people down um and trying that forward press going at the keeper you know going at center backs full backs that are deep and we've we're doing that to a degree but again it's a level of intensity um and a lot of times under pasta coglu i felt like a lot of that was wasteful meaning that it wasn't uh it wasn't actually doing much other than kind of harassing teams that could just pass around us pretty easily um and if you think if you think about that my maeda being maybe uh, 15 yards off of the the touch line or the end line uh, and then having to get back into shape and recovering whereas even if it's 10 or 15 yards less advanced that he is getting back into shape getting back to you know as our, my hockey friends would say back checking uh you know to, to to that forward line coming back and defending um and, and kind of, you know, he's so brilliant at that. So the, the more you utilize him as that weapon in that regard, given our priorities and the formula that we're looking for, I think it's excellent. I mean, I, I think he's offering um, significantly more defensive value doing that, the, the back checking, than he was, you know, chasing down Real Madrid center backs as if they weren't going to just say yeah swat you away get, get away from me you fast fly um and, and kind of pass around yeah. you so yeah I, I i actually like a lot um how, how and i think it would be interesting to see um what you're discussing again whether it's a 442 or 442 diamond or you know uh 3421 3412 there's a lot of different iterations that we and again i i'm guessing that we will start to see more tinkering as we as we get more um players back from from injury um that's my guess anyway given rogers yeah. historical pro proclivities you can but... you can you can you can still you can still have width i mean a 442 diamonds is, is brilliant in terms of and again listen 
talking about this as if it's a shape for for night it's not it's like it's like an an, an attacking an attacking starting framework uh you'll st we'll still play the same in defense as, as, we, as we've done whether that's a 442 or or it's a 451 whatever you want to call it that, that won't change it's really about you know connections and 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 and, and, and the uh, the 442 diamond still lets you have players giving width it still lets you have a 10 behind a striker etc so you still have those things but it really it's all about finding finding space but in this case we're getting the better players on 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 the pitch really um yeah well let and i'll i'll give some formal advice to um uh i i don't know but i'll call him brendan in case he's watching or ends up watching this which is brendan don't call it a 4222 or else you'll get the the, no. the legacy wrath of john barnes uh history so even if it's going to end up being a box midfield just call it the diamond so that we don't have to deal with uh, all, all of the, the the baggage from the history um because I, I actually i you know i more of the box spot version of the midfield wouldn't and it would be fluid obviously but um yeah i i i, I see a lot of um reason to think that that could be an interesting path to, to pursue um as we head into the the, the double tango with uh, uh, Atletico now. Um, well, let, let's let's talk about some of the individual performances. Then, I mean, I, we kind of touched upon some of them. Um, as far as positive standouts, who, who would you put in your more positive than negative as far as their their total package? Yeah, I think in in midfield, you know, again, McGregor obviously wasn't going to get man marked, so he was free to sort of do do McGregor type things, which I think he recycled the ball, kept things moving, kept things ticking over pretty well. Um, O'Reilly obviously, um, he had a few moments where he was caught in possession, but uh, again, it's, it's just it's just a variety of work that he does. Um, you know, the the the, the assist obviously, um, the amount of defensive work he gets through. As I say, he's he was he was second again to um, or uh, Maida in terms of uh, pressures. So Maida had thirty five, which is pretty mad. O'Reilly had twenty five, was the next highest. Uh, Kyogo twenty one was the one after that. So you know you're getting everything. I think with O'Reilly, as we've seen this season, he's just been he's been doing the job of three three sort of specialist midfielders really. So um, and you know. Uh, I think I know scales. What can you say? I mean, it's pretty much the same every game. I think you got to admire the guy, right? Because he keeps going, he keeps plugging away, he keeps doing the best he can, um, and doing doing a good job most of the time. Um, the rest of the time, you get turnovers, you get you know rushing to the ball when he perhaps shouldn't, etc. Like the goal against Motherwell and so forth. So, but I think over again overall, he uh, he you know he he did a decent. He did a decent job, you know. Kyogo, you know, again, he's got nobody around him that's helping him. That's, this is the problem, you know. If he's not getting a pass from O'Reilly, he's not getting a pass at the moment. It's as simple as that. So, um, you know, he, he took his goal, but um, that's more of a systemic issue. Um, you know, I, I thought Phillips was okay. Um, I don't understand, unless Phillips was really struggling physically, which he may have been. I don't know. I don't know why we. Brought Carter Vickers on, and I'm, and I'm probably being biased with hindsight here, obviously as to what happened for the winning goal, where Carter Vickers coughed it up right in the middle of the goal with a transition of five v three, and that absolute nightmare. But um, you know, why why was he even needed to be on the pitch, sort of thing? Um, that that tough, may be, tough, as I say, recency, tough, recency bias. Uh, it's a tough spot for someone to kind of be reintroducing themselves after effectively six months out. I mean, he, he had a, yeah. you know, a cup of tea, uh, coming back before he hurt the hamstring. So yeah, I, interesting. Again, I'm, I'm not critical about it. It's just, I, I find it interesting that that was, yeah. my, my guess I is, because thing. Yeah. I, I think it, my guess is because of Phillips having had the issues with, his own injury issue and kind of building up that okay, that's yeah. my my guess um but one thing i did want to say real quick on liam scales is that this is a completely selfish um yeah i just say it's selfish is that i'm glad he didn't score the bicycle kick because had he scored the bicycle kick we would have had to have ended this show we could have we'd had to stop because Enda would have become so unbearable and more ridiculous than he already is that 
we just had to stop everything. Um, so thank you, Liam Scales, for not ending the huddle breakdown because yeah. it was within your power to do so. Um, yeah, I, I think Greg Taylor actually was pretty good. Like he overall, given, uh, you know, he gave the ball away a couple of times. And again, just based off of his, we talk about endlessly, you know, lost some one v one physical battles. But within that context, I actually thought he was he inverted very well. He was playing that kind of midfield role. Um, overall, I thought pretty, pretty, pretty well. So he he stands out to me um, as kind of a more positive than negative. Um, I'd say probably the I wouldn't say it's a red flag yet, but um, a, a growing anxiety I have might be on uh, Alistair Johnston um, and maybe his um, suitability with with. Uh, with the way he's being asked to play under, under Rogers. Um, you know, he's, he's such a good defender in many ways, um, but he doesn't have that blistering pace and on the ball. I'm still unconvinced. Like he's, he shows flashes and, um, but at times I still, um, I worry about kind of that technical proficiency and decision-making. Um, so that, that's more of a, a, you know, uh, eating away at me kind of thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not, concerned so to speak but um you know to, to keep monitoring um but yeah I, I i thought um scales i mean it, it it's one of those things where until he goes too far in the things <laughs> that he's doing well like he he's been walking that edge at times you know being so aggressive in the tackle and so physically um on the front foot that it hasn't turned into a calamity yet but I suspect it's a matter of when, not if, that he's just that. Well, yeah, the number, number of times he's given, the, yeah, the number of times he's given the ball away close, you know, close to the edge of his own box, and he's got away with it nearly every time. Um, yeah, you know, Lagrabielka wasn't so lucky and got a lot of flack. So it, a lot, you know, the, again, it's outcome influencing perception rather than reality in terms yeah. of what actually happened. So yeah, so listen, now on on the ball, he, but even he, his I, defending, he's, his defending so far has shaded towards really good actually uh mm -hmm. on like man you know one-on-one -on -one defending like positionally there have been some issues but um i i just I, I think i've seen there's slight margin of that if he's just a half a step <laughs> not quite there that yeah, yeah. it could turn into a calamity but um but as long as he's you know as long as he keeps doing what he's doing at this level with how he's been playing i think it's about as good as we could have mm -hmm. hoped for i think i mean it's been going yeah, as well as we could have hoped. So that that's a good thing. Um, yeah, and, if, you, you know, if you look back at the, ga the games that he's he's had to stand up to, you know, um, it's 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 pretty impressive, really overall. But yeah. Listen, I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you a question because because I don't know the answer to this, and I'm hoping you do. Right. This, this is the one th one thing tactically that I don't think it mattered in a material outcome sense, but it just scared the hell out of me when I saw that we were lining up Yang Hitati. Taylor scales on the same side of the pitch, and, and we moved Maeda over to the right. So we had our best forward presser, our most solid fullback, and our best midfield defender O'Reilly on one side, and we had the four players who are most likely to give the ball away, all on one side of the pitch. And I didn't understand that at all, but maybe you can help me there. I, the only thing I can come up with is maybe. Um... Maybe they identify, and I don't know. Like I, I haven't looked at Lazio this closely, but maybe the, I could see thinking that if their left center back and left fullback uh, were identified as weak points that one you'd want to press more, and or you know maybe they're sloppier on the ball, that kind of thing. I could see that logic more as like a proactive, um, try to force them into mistakes kind of logic but um yeah generally I mean, as far as your patent and toxic combinations go um that that life that left, <laughs> yeah that that, <laughs> that left side's not even a, a hat trick that's the the, the quadrennial uh <laughs> uh potential uh, toxic oh, combination man. an unprecedented yeah. four so um <laughs> so that that's you know if i'm trying to think about what maybe could uh the logic could be um yeah, I, I I don't know because it, it was. I mean, it was. 
what, I mean, I, I, was the thing. I, 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 I looked at I looked at where the Lazio control the game, and and if anything, it's on the right hand side of their attack. They have they have more control with Felipe Anderson on the right normally. I mean, Sakagni on the left looks a really good young player. He was fast, aggressive, but he didn't really get involved in the game a lot, and he was wanting to cut inside it all the time. And you know, they really didn't look like when I looked at the data. Uh, they didn't look like they had a lot of control on the left hand side, which is why I didn't know why we were packing, packing that. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was the maybe it was the reverse. Maybe it was they thought that was like you say that was the weak side and we could overload. But I did then I didn't then I didn't detect we were particularly attacking, you know, down that side. Albeit the goal did come down that right side. To be fair, well, and it, this goes back to um, you know perception versus reality, and how our perception might be different. So who knows what reality actually is? But if you if you kind of just take reputation um, of McGregor, Taylor, and Hitate as kind of your foundational um, build up and you know keeping possession and um, creating and then having Yang as the outlet to take somebody on one v one with that side, like I disagree with it. But I could see that maybe being uh, a theory, uh, as opposed to Maeda on that side, where he just, you know, he he, he really, despite you know re- creating the goal, basically, um, there was a lot of instances of similar opportunities that he did not uh, uh, manifest in such great outcome. Uh, so I, I could see that as a, you know, a, a theory. Uh, like I said, even though it's probably not one I would come up with, um, relative to you know having Maeda on that side, and yeah, uh, and this this really comes down to the question of Hatate as a fulcrum. You know, is he is he really the person that you want to be building that kind of um, strategy around? And you know, I think we've generally made our point of view clear on that, but. Um, if that continues to be the thought or the thinking, then I could see that being why that mixture of players would be on that side. Um, and in fairness, like I, I it, it's, I, I sense a, uh, a shift in wins on Hitate uh, to a degree where people are starting to get a little more critical. And, you know, even within the stadium, you kind of can hear some of the groans on the broadcast as far as when he wasn't, um, you know, make uh, successful in some of his creative attempts. Uh, I actually don't think he was that bad yesterday. I mean, that, you know, as far as his game play goes, like he didn't have any of his really bad turnovers or giveaways that were, you know, directly responsible for a Lazio um, uh, uh, chance. So, yeah, he, he wasn't successful in, you know, anything really of substance going forward, but, you know, that's kind of um, normal for him. And like I said, the fact that he didn't really um, have any major um, giveaways, I thought was fine. So I, I, I thought he was fine yesterday. I mean, it, it, I, I wouldn't um, point him out as a major problem yesterday as far as why the, the game turned out the way it did anyway. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Okay, well, we're up around fifty minutes. Any any other uh, any other thoughts or summary um, on the game? And then, if not, maybe we'll we'll, we'll kick look quick look ahead to our our friend. Uh, is it Derek McInnes we see again this weekend? Is our our old friend? <laughs> oh yes, he's only won two games uh, this season. <laughs> I think. Well, I mean, apart, I, I think he won some games in the group stages of the League Cup. But I'm just, I mean, right. you know, so league against Premier League teams, they won the opening game of the season obviously and then they beat us in the cup and they've either drawn or lost every other game against the premier league side it's yep. it's interesting i don't know whether that bubbles burst a little bit um yeah i mean listen uh, home on grass <laughs> we uh we should we should be we should be doing doing the business but again there's a lot of risk there because of you know again it's it's almost remarkable that celtic had that level of control in the match um given the, the problems that we've got, especially in attack at the moment. You know, we, t- we talked about the defence all season, but it's actually the attack that's worrying me more now that if Carter Vickers is back, we just should start to look uh, even more solid there. And we are giving away way too much XG in even the league games, let's be honest about it. Um, 
but it's the attack really that uh, and, and listen we had a good laugh about our friend Mickey but it, it's almost the case that it it doesn't matter I'm pretty sure it doesn't um, with a few exceptions maybe but almost anyone that walks in the door to be manager down there is going to make them better right and, right. and, and, and you know we've got to be ready for for that challenge so uh, as I say there's a lot of work to do I still think and, and well, I think Rogers is doing his best with the tools he's been given. Well, this is this is the paradox uh, that we've entered into, which is the the Ange Ball experience uh, effectively collapsed chance creation uh, domestically while being a complete free for all in Europe, and now we've we've entered the bizarro world or the uh, uh, you know the exact opposite of that where we're shutting opponents down, relatively speaking, in two games in, in Europe under Rodgers, and at the same time <laughs> uh, conceding chances domestically, which is, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the week, like pretty much in line with some of the worst stretches of our, our play in the last uh, five, six seasons. Yeah, um, yeah so it's, it'll be interesting. I you know, we, we know what we'll get from Komarnik for the most part. Um, if I look at where I'd be most worried, and again, I don't know if this is truly reflective of the player. I haven't looked into him longer term, but um, and I don't even know his name off the top of my head. I didn't even, as I, as I often say, I don't do that much work on our domestic opposition outside of Rangers a lot of the time um, anymore. I just don't have the time for it. But um, their keeper has been doing well this season in the seven games. Uh, so... Mm-hmm including shot stopping. So in theory, if, um, you know, if he's actually a good shot stopping keeper, then, you know, that's always something I worry about. And, you know, one of, one of these opposition keepers having a, a big game and, and stealing a, a draw or something. Um, but yeah, it's, it, and they have, uh, what's his face? Armstrong down the wing. He's always a big fan. Of the he's, 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 he's incredibly productive for them. You know, if you look at the, if you look at the the, the rest of the uh, SPFL teams, Armstrong's a real standout. And actually, I, I meant to mention, and I want to mention, um, the performance of Blair Spittle from Motherwell last week. It was actually one of the best performances by an opposition player against Celtic in SPFL that I can I can remember. And I almost I didn't have time actually, but I would have done an article on it. But his his his, his stats were tremendous in that game. His packing stats were. Uh, absolutely exceptional, uh, and obviously scored the goal. But he, he he created the most chances. He had the best packing stats for them. He was excellent. I think he's twenty eight now, Spittle, and he's he's another player that doesn't really have any pace, but he's a clever player. But uh, yeah, him and him and Armstrong, I would argue, are two of the two of the cleverest, most creative players outside of the the top two. Certainly, that are uh, worth worth keeping an eye on. They're interesting interesting players. I, I somebody from Motherwell just got called up to Canada. I don't know if it was him. Um, uh, there's a Theo Bear as the striker. He's oh, somebody else. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know Spittle's background, so I didn't know if that was. But yeah, because he, he was great. From, he was. He, he, he was at Partick Thistle for years, and then uh, he went to Motherwell. But he looks well, like that, he, he could be. Like, he like he could be a star for Aberdeen or, or Hibs or something. He could easily be like one of their best players, I think. Well, and I, just as as um, kind of uh, th- these are things I have to mention, or else Enda's going to kill me. So um, Liam Scales did get a call up to the Republic of Ireland. So congratulations yeah. to Enda yeah. and to Absolutely. Liam. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and he asked me to read this quote on the show, um, and it, this goes with I think the consensus of the of the support coming out of yesterday. It's not often that I quote. I have to say quote. It's not often that <clears throat> Celtic surprise me, but even I was surprised at how Celtic managed to out Celtic themselves once again in Europe. So that was that was Enda's requested statement um, in his absence today. So um, I think we'll leave it there for for today's show. Um, once again, as always, if you can support by subscribing on uh, YouTube, uh, commenting below, we always welcome the comments and try to read through them. Uh, and if you can subscribe and or comment, <clears throat> excuse me, leave a review on iTunes and or Spotify. We appreciate that. Uh, always appreciate you listening and viewing. And we will talk to you next week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.